and tell us about Pussy Palace. So Pussy Palace is a party that centres and prioritises black and brown, trans and queer people. Until I stumbled upon Pussy Palace, I never knew that I could be authentically myself in a club. I could be brown, I could be trans although at that point it wasn't given that but you know i was figuring mm. it out mm. and i could also be a slut and it's like oh all of these things are not only accepted they're like celebrated like everyone's like yeah bitch suck that dick you know and i'll be like okay <laughs> <laughs> which again is is a, is a liberating thing yeah. you know and must have been very very formative in in you as a, as a person oh so formative it saved my life to this day like really? i say it, even my mum and dad acknowledge pussy palace categorically saved my life i don't think i would be here definitely not as close to sane as I am now, yeah. You're listening to Face Podcast with me, Matthew Whitehouse, recorded at Spotify. Today we're joined by musician and DJ Maya Memi, whose single Parivar Interlude dropped earlier this year. Born in Bradford and raised in Leicester, Maya arrived in London at 17, finding a voice with renowned nightlife collective Pussy Palace. We're sitting down a few hours before Maya's debut live show at New Noise Monthly, a series of gigs by The Face showcasing the best in new music. Joining me in the studio alongside Maya are The Face's music director, Davey Reed, and The Face's style and culture editor, TJ Sidhu. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This is a podcast. Okay, hi. hi. Nice nice to have you here. It's on. Are we recording? Well, it's on. Oh, my God, amazing. Yeah, we're recording. Hey. This is it. Hello, welcome. Uh, it's your first live show tonight. How do you feel? Yeah, it is. Well, it's my first live show as Maya. And it's my first live show generally in like four or five years. So I'm feeling really excited slash nervous. Like I don't I don't I don't really know what it's like performing with tits. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like a whole new world. So we're just gonna see what it gives. But I'm really excited. And this is so to for the listeners, this is part of the faces. Well, Davey, maybe you can tell us more. This is the faces monthly music event new yeah, noise we've got these uh, new noise showcases at stereo which is like a new venue in covent garden uh, and we're doing the monthly we had the first one uh, last month and mm. it was packed which mm. was great and then yeah we've obviously done a bunch of editorial stuff with you for a while and we loved the track that you dropped and then obviously you're really well known as a dj but i got in touch i was like have you ever thought about doing a live thing and you said you've got an ep on the way so but yeah tonight we've got you but we've got a bunch of your friends like i think you're probably mates of most of the people in the lineup right? yeah i know everyone on the lineup either like friendly or i've I booked them for, for my own events so yeah it's going to be like a little family affair i'm so excited do you uh feel more nervous that it's a live show not a dj like how are you approaching it oh definitely it's so weird though because it's like okay cool when i live when i perform live it's like, well, when I used to perform live, I was so, I would like be on the floor. I would be like taking my top off. I'd just be doing the most. And then when I DJ, it's like, it's weird because I don't get half as nervous, but but like, I just, I freeze. Like, I don't want to look at nobody. So it's weird, like, because the only reference I have to performing for the past like four or five years has been DJing. And it's like, when I'm DJing, I just stand there like a moody bitch. So I really don't know. I don't know what I. I just. I just don't know. Like I'm just confused. There's a lot of new things going on, but um, the live performance aspect does make me nervous, but just also really excited because people never get to hear my voice, mm. and I can really sing. That's what people don't know about me. So I'm excited to let people know. Like I. I do more than chat shit with this mouth. There's other things. Let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning, if you don't mind. You, you, so you were born in Bradford. You were raised in. Leicester. Yeah. When did music kind of enter your your life? 
music has been a really big part of my life forever just because my parents and my families in general we've always been musical like it's always been like every friday night from the day i was born it's been some sort of function some sort of like cook up we used to oh, yeah. call them and we'd have like all my cousins around and we'd just be dancing till like 6 a.m in that sense music has always been a really big part of my life but i didn't start writing until i was like 10. Mm -hmm. That's well, that's good. early. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, it's quite early, actually. Well, no, I wasted 10 years, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really badly bullied in, in school, mm. so music for me was a way to survive, really. Mm. It gave me, like, a sense of purpose and gave me an outlet. So that was really what it became. It became my therapy, and it stayed that for the longest until until I left Leicester at 17, really, and then mm. I was able to actually, you know, think about how I can cultivate a career out of it. Mm. Does it still feel like that, like a release or, like, therapy? Oh, my God, it's so weird, yeah, because it feels like it now more than it ever has, or at least it feels like it now more than it has in the past, like, 10, 15 years, because I'd say, like, from the age of, like, 13 onwards i've always been so conscious of my gender mm. and how i express it so i would i felt constantly like writing music in that process i was having to shave parts of myself away so i would write a song naturally and then i would have to go over it and be like okay what parts are too girly mm. because naturally the things that i would say felt to me too feminine and obviously i grew up in a time where nobody was making like r&b music or anything like that and being queer let alone trans so mm. i was like bitch you have to be a straight man so for the past like 10 years i'd say it's been therapeutic but it's also been kind of stifling so now since my transition mm. It's, it's opened up this whole new world where like, oh my gosh, I'm actually able to say all of these things and not have to like edit so much. So it's like the most therapeutic it's ever been right now. But it's also kind of scary because it's like, damn, I can really say anything. But liberating as well, right? Yeah. You know, it's like you don't have to do that self-edit. Yeah. Know? Liberating, absolutely. But also kind of overwhelming sometimes because mm. I'm so used to that process. Mm. So it's like, it's like a whole new world. Do you know what? Mm. Yeah. Tell us about coming down to London. So you were 17 when you moved down. Yeah. And did you start DJing straight away? Oh, no. The DJing happened by accident. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the DJ, but book me, book me. So I'll pay my bills right now. But that happened so by accident. Um, I never wanted to be a DJ. I was always like, well, I want to play. I want to make the music that people play. Like, I don't want to play with people's music. Fuck that. But, um... <laughs> I needed to pay my bills and then I started to really enjoy it, you know, really, really love it and find like a creative artistry to it. And I've got so much respect for DJs and the people that booked me. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> continue. But yeah, it wasn't, the DJing happened way later. I think the DJing started when I was like 23, 24. Right, right. But what sort of scene did you fall into then when you first moved out? Oh, I've been, I've been in it all. So when I first come to London, I did like a diploma um, in music at the Institute of Contemporary Music Performance, which is like in Kilburn, North London. Mm -hmm. And that was just full of like, a lot of like rockers and stuff like that. So I ended up on like this gigging circuit where I was just gigging at all these like iconic, like smaller music venues in London and like these musicy pubs. And I was doing like this weird like rock circuit. And I was like, okay, like cool, we're gonna go with it. Like we're in London, bitch, you know, whatever. Where, however you get signed, if I mean get the signed, you know? So I was just um, 
yeah on this weird rock circuit and then and then I was on like this weird like neo soul circuit and I was just my 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 scene which has also always been so tied into what I'm doing musically has been so such a I've followed loads of different scenes just kind of through by way of trying to find what actually makes sense to mm-hmm. me mm. um and that didn't happen like finding the place and the setting where I can actually be myself didn't happen until I found Pussy Palace. I stumbled upon Pussy Palace when I was like, bro, I don't even know, like 23, 24. So that was like a good five, six years after I'd moved to London. In terms of, because you produce their events, yeah. and like for someone who doesn't know what that means, like what is that like? Are you booking the venues? Are you curating the DJs? Like what does that involve? Um, so I, yeah, I do a lot of it. I create the lineups. Obviously, so there's three of us right now in the core team, myself, Nadine and Ryan, and we all have like our own responsibilities, but also support each other in our own roles. But basically, I guess my main responsibilities are like, yeah, I create the lineups, I manage the team. We have a big team that works at every event because we're, we're committed to trying to make the space as intentional. Um, as possible we have a team of PP support so that's like 8 to 12 um, PP support members on a night I manage all of those I and what does that do sorry the support PP support are like so they're just there to party with you but they're visible with LED sashes so that you know as a guest if anything is kicking off or anything makes you feel uncomfortable you can go to them and they're like the middleman between you and security or you and the venue staff you just let them know what the issue is and then they can mm. either get someone kicked out or get it resolved mm. or mm. de-escalate things like that's their role mm. but yeah so I manage the team yeah I liaise with the venue I'm usually involved in booking the venue I'm usually the one advancing it I basically yeah run around like a headless chicken <laughs> in heels more time so that's why after 2am at Pussy Palace don't talk to me because I'll be a bitch my feet will kill and I'll just be rude for no reason I have to apologise all the time Maya you just briefly mentioned how um, your parents acknowledged that Pussy Palace you know has had a had a really great impact yeah. on you um, I'm just taking it back a little bit but growing up in Leicester obviously you're Punjabi, mm. as am I. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that it, it's such a strong community in Leicester. My dad grew up in Leicester as well. Oh, okay. Um, did he? Are we yeah. cousins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really... He grew up near um, a hospital. Oh. <laughs> the Leicester <laughs> Hospital? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, I know Saint, him. St. Saviour's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know him, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. St. Saviour's Hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Up a really big hill. <laughs> and, you know, Leicester has a really big... Punjabi community. Yes. Um, how how did you find that community growing up? Hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck y'all. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I'm half joking. <laughs> I, yeah, it was really difficult for me, especially because I grew up in areas, especially from the age of like 11, because my parents, they obviously, we, I, we was all born in Bradford, then moved to Leicester when I was quite young, and they were raised very, very working class, and then throughout my lifetime kind of built up a little bit. Um, and then from the age of like 10, we ended up in like a decent area, and the school was predominantly South Asian. And I do feel like as a trans person, more time you'll get it harder from your own community. Totally. So growing up in an area that was predominantly, not necessarily Punjabi, but definitely predominantly like brown. um, Yeah, I was like target number one, two and three, like for pretty much until I left at 17, which really contributed to me leaving too. 
Yeah, it was fucked. Mm -hmm. Do you go back much to Leicester? Like once, maybe every two or three months. Really not as much as mm. I would like. Or, well, no, <laughs> that's a lie. Mm. I would love to never go back. But not as much as my mum and my family would like. But it's like it's painful being back. It's, um, mm. you mm. know, I still, I've got like, bro, I've got like post-traumatic stress. Like mm. it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm. The, the community there put me through a lot. So, yeah, it was mm. difficult. But your parents were really supportive. My parents were so supportive. My mum in particular is like my best friend. She always wanted a daughter as well. So it's like, bro, you manifested this. This is your fault. Like, this is your fault. I think my only regret is that my mum didn't figure it out. My mum's only regret is that she didn't figure it out sooner. That's often the case, I was trans, right? yeah, yeah. Like, because she's just, she's just like, no, bro, I'd have been buying you them little skirts and dresses from the age four if I knew. Like, what the hell? So... Yeah, she's so supportive in particular. And my dad's my dad's a great support as well. Mm-hmm. In his dad's way, you know. Dad's ways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, you, obviously you have very supportive parents, which is amazing. But that must have meant finding your family in London was kind of doubly important, right? If you didn't feel that support from the community at large yeah. in Leicester, finding it in London must have felt amazing. Oh my God, yeah. So amazing, so amazing. And it really, it's funny because finding my community in London made me appreciate actually my community community in Leicester even more and the family that I do have mm. even more because I was surrounded by people in London that actually didn't have that with their biological families you know and I recognized what privilege it is to even just have your one of your parents like m- behind you 100% like so it was really important in not only like obviously placing emphasis on why I needed a community in London, but also, like, helping me appreciate the community that, like, raised me. And it's nice as well that, like, my mum came down to Pussy Palace and has partied with us. Really? Yeah, like, and it's cool with all my friends. And she's going to be at the show tonight, actually. She is? Yeah, yeah, Mega. Mega. She'll be the MILF. That's Excellent. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's nice. The two worlds complement each other really nicely. So I'm lucky in that sense. Excellent. What about um, kind of other places that you were going out to when you first moved down? Were there any kind of other formative club nights or, or scenes that you, you were part of? I was literally so lost. I was going to like, where was I even going? I was going to like, first I was going to like loads of straight nights, obviously trying to live like my best straight man life. I'm failing. And then I was going to like really gay, gay, gay nights when I had eventually come out as queer. But my experience as a South Asian person in those gay spaces, not necessarily the queer ones, but the gay ones, was also, like, were also very damaging and actually, like, deterred me from... That ran me back to the straight club. I was like, I'd rather get called a faggot. Like, I would actually rather that, bro, than have people coming up to me all night being like, oh, my God, you're Indian. What? You're so good looking, though. Like, first mm. of all, bitch, I never said I'm Indian, I'm Punjabi. Second of all, very like, important. we... Yeah, very <laughs> important. And second of all, like, we are fit. Like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> it was... um. Yeah, I was lost. I was just running running around trying to find my place and failing until I literally, like, accidentally stumbled across PP. Mm. Man, that's a really, really, really important uh, point, actually. There was so much, sort of, you know, racism within the community, oh, you know, whether so it's, much. like, fetishizing black men, whether it's, you know, the whole, wow, you you know, you're really yeah. good looking for an Indian guy. Or, yeah. You know, there's so much of that that goes on. It and actually, so I think a lot of the time with um with young gay men that I've spoken to, they come from a, you know, they come from 
sort of division and divide and not not fitting in mm-hmm. in straight environments to then going into a gay community that feels even worse it's traumatic it's actually traumatic i remember i remember crying one night when i come home and i was telling my flatmate who was a straight woman and she didn't get it like she she sent me out with her cousin who was gay and south asian but he was very like no shade to him but he's he's cool with somebody telling him like oh you're good looking for an indian he'd lap that up you know he's that type Mm. of guy he'd be like oh thank you so much so obviously i was i was gone out with him i come back home i just started crying to my flatmate like bro like they hate me out there like well well, i came to london to find my place Mm, and like mm. everyone's basically calling me like a dirty p-word like what the hell like Mm. where do i go so it was um it was so difficult and you know when you say that it actually really makes me empathize with so many of 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 the young queer people that do have especially of color that do come to london and have that experience i just need them to know like bitch come get your ass to pussy palace like (laughs) you know it's not it doesn't have to be like that it really doesn't because they even started making me like homophobic for a little bit as well i was like fuck these gays ill like i'm not one of them maybe i'm like a straight adjacent gay like you know i belong the straight places like it sent me on a whole little spiral so thank god for finding you know, a, a queer place that isn't like that. Mm, mm. What about now? Because obviously, through DJing, you have access to so many, so many places on the kind of nightlife scene in London. Yeah. Where's kind of like a place that you feel is is really important or really special now, or kind of what are your favourite places to go to? Um, there's so many amazing nights happening that I think are so important musically. I mean, for me, my favourite thing about going out is music. So, musically, there's this night called To the Left, which right. is Donny Sunshine's night. I don't know if you know about Donny Sunshine. He's like one of the most iconic DJs. Ever. And his night is all about like alternative black music, like alternative R&B, alternative hip hop, alternative like world music. And it's just, it's I had the best time ever. I literally left there with no voice because I was singing like all these deep album cuts and you're <laughs> in a room and it's like, I thought I was the only person who knew this song and everyone's like screaming at the top of their lungs. Like that's one of my favorite nights ever. I think um, there, there are loads of people that, are doing really amazing things. I'm trying to think now, like, wow, I'm so invested in Pussy Palace. I don't even see none of these other horrors. I'm like, who are they? Oh, they booked me. Okay, my man. Like, yeah, there's other people doing cool things. But you've built a massive network of DJs because I can remember for tonight, I was like, who should we book? I was like, I felt a bit cheeky asking you because I was like, you know, I was like, is there anyone you'd like us to look into? Then you had like a massive list and then one of the DJs, Sav Sound, she came to the last New Noise gig just to check out the venue. And she was like, how did you know who I was? And I was like, oh, my MME recommended you. And she was buzzing. She yeah, was proper buzzing. Yeah, she sent me a buzz now. Um, and then there's obviously Gideon Mustafa, a.k.a. Shaolin Wavy yeah. as well. But, like, it feels like you've really built this, like, wider network which yeah. of sort of like-minded artists and DJs, right? Definitely. Definitely. And that's one of the things that I'm most thankful for, for me to come out of PP. Like, I really have... Yeah, built a huge network, a huge community. And for me, like, it just feels so good, like, putting... If I have the power to put people in positions, like, it just feels so Mm. good, like, putting deserving people in deserving positions, especially people that often get overlooked, you know? Like, women, black people, brown people, trans people, queer people. I just... I love, like, putting people on, and it always comes back to you tenfold, like... 
It's always, yeah, always recommend. My mum always told me, like, if you have a compliment or you have opportunity for somebody, like, what is the point of holding it in? How's that benefiting anybody? And I just always take that with me in life. And I think that's probably a big reason as to why I have mm. created this network because I'm always just like, take this bag, take this bag, <laughs> take this bag, you know? We, um, at the last Noon Noise Night, there was loads of students there because it was fresh as week, you know, and it was, that was a really amazing thing to, to see at the night. And I'm just thinking about what you were saying about, you know, when you moved down and you were 17 and you didn't know where to go and what to do. Have you got any advice to kind of, maybe there's a young queer person who's just moved to London or is listening or is thinking of coming to a university somewhere, a big city somewhere, moving. Have you got any advice for someone arriving and, and how they would find their network as well? Yeah, I would say you actually have a luxury that I didn't have back, back in the day. <laughs> Um, <laughs> utilize social media, bro. Like literally, mm. Instagram, TikTok. There's so that's such a beautiful way to discover different nights, different events, different communities that are happening and 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 are existing. So I would say, yeah, utilize social media and don't be afraid of going places like on your own. I say that with a, with a smirk because it's like not everybody not everybody wants to do that. But like I'm a weirdo. Like I'll pull up somewhere on my own and just try and find some trade and you know like have me a good <laughs> night. But um, yeah, if you can do that, like don't be afraid of doing that because that's sometimes how you meet you, how you meet your your circle. You know, mm, everyone's mm. looking to adopt a loner, especially if you're hot or you you know. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about tonight. Talk about the music for people who are listening. How would you describe your music? Nostalgic sexy yeah. and melancholic or something like that yeah nice. Nice. it's really giving that it's like you know to the point where sometimes i'll be singing about like my family but the beat is really sexy and it's like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> this this doesn't feel right but i but yeah there's always just something really sexy like dark moody about my music and i guess like just because i'm so heavily influenced by like noughties and and 90s production especially like in hip-hop where south asian and middle eastern samples are being used so much mm -hmm. that like has embedded some sort of blueprint in my heart so all my music kind of gives like elements to that but yeah I'm quite I'm, I'm quite scared and embarrassed for this EP to come out uh, next year because lyrically as well I feel like I'm being really honest and people are just gonna realize like I'm actually such like a bad brain bitch when it comes to men. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really really embarrassing the things that I will allow, but you know I guess on that note it's honest as well. There are things we cannot understand Or even articulate I will help you figure out a plan And I'll back you the way Well, you talk about kind of family as well sometimes and I know that your lesson was it lesson was about your uncle yes yeah you know it could tell us about that one yeah so my my last song buddy Var, was about my daya which is paternal uncle basically mm -hmm. in my language and yeah he sadly passed away in 2020 and the song mm -hmm. was my effort to kind of comfort uh my cousin his daughter and my dad his his brother mm -hmm. and yeah it just became like a real homage to 
to my uncle in so many ways. I think in the song, like I talk about how, you know, I ride for my cousins and that's what he taught me because he was a, he was like a gangster, but he was somebody that really made the best out of his life, started his own business, but still like was on like the roughest strip of Bradford, BD3, shout out BD3, and just, you know, really asserting our last name into the area, making sure we had a legacy mm. there. And mm. he was all about riding for your cousins. So yeah, it was just, um, it was just like really a love letter to my family and to my Mm. really yeah and uh, funnily enough when I was writing it it became not just about my biological family but also about my chosen family because around the time that I was writing it we also lost someone in our community Ellie Che Um, and I was like in the process of writing this song and I was like okay this feels so universal now it's really just about riding for anybody that you claim is your family your bodyguard um, it's just about riding for them, really. Mm-hmm. And your mummy's there tonight. What's going to be going through your head when you when you're doing this first live show? Is oh my god, I am just like yeah. I don't know what's going to be going through my head. I usually really dissociate when I'm on stage. So I'll probably just be dissociated. I just told my mum, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just be dissociated as fuck. I told my mum as well, like, just like just relax a little bit. If you see me winding my waist a little bit or you see my little nipples through the dress or whatever, yeah. you know, I'm you, I'm not your daughter when I'm on stage, baby. I'm just, <laughs> you know, back up, back up, give me 50 feet. I don't hear nothing. So, yeah, I... um, Who's to say? I don't know what it's going to give, guys. I really don't know. It's going to be an adventure. I'm really excited. I feel like because also, similarly to when I used to write, even on stage, I used to perform and I'd look back and and people would... I remember one time I performed, yeah? And funnily enough, it was hosted by Maya Jama, but it was right... It was some weird little random festival in Cambridge. It was so random, Mm. so small. There was like 50 people there. And she was kind of at the beginning of her career. I was like way at the beginning of my everything, but I was still a boy these times. And after I got off stage, she was like, oh, you're such a diva. And I remember thinking, what? <laughs> this bitch has come up to me. Like, how does she know? Um, and that's what, that's what used to go through my head all the time. Like, I was always looking back at videos of myself and being like, oh, you need to pull that back, bitch, because it's really giving you think of Beyonce when really you're supposed to be Jay-Z. So <laughs> I am um, <laughs> just so... I'm excited as to how it's going to pan out when I get on stage. I don't have to think about those things, you know? I can really just, like, shake, shake my tears. So it's exciting. I'm excited. I'm excited too. And what's and, and in terms of what's next? So the EP's next year. You do yeah. a podcast as well, right? Yeah, I do a podcast. Tell us about a podcast. Okay, so that's called Straight No Chaser by My Mummy. I'm not a narcissist. It's just I had to put By My Mummy in it because there's so many podcasts called Straight No Chaser already. And um, <laughs> I basically talk to a different DL man pretty much, although the last episode was not a DL guy, it was just like a straight guy who was my best friend. But I basically talked to guys on it who have some sort of relationship to trans women, whether it's behind closed doors, out in the open. And I basically just get into the dynamics of that. And it's really, really crazy because all the guys that I'm talking about are very, very talking to are very, very DL. Like, mm. I think episode two was recorded, bro had like a, like a asthma on him. And I was like, this is really as real as it gets. Like, you're telling me about trans women you saw in prison, your little thing might beep in a minute. Like, it's crazy. The, so. ta- the tag. Yeah, the little tag thing. So, oh my God, wait, is Asbo not a good thing to say anymore? Asbo, no, I suppose the the the, uh, the antisocial behaviour or... Oh, yeah, isn't... no, period, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It was something, yeah. you know, when it, yeah. I don't know. I'd, 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 yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's crazy and very raw and very kind of... 
uh, Scandalous. Excellent. So we can listen to you on the EP next year, and then uh, and, and what you're doing between between now and the EP release? Um, finishing the music, pretty much about to go into mixing and mastering. So just finishing that off. Obviously, doing this show, and Pussy Palace will have more parties throughout the end of the year. Actually, I think we've got like two left, and yeah. I'll just be outside. Say hello to me. <laughs> Maya, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Face Podcast with me, Matthew Whitehouse. Thank you to our guest, Maya Memi, for joining us this week and to Davey and TJ as well. The Face Podcast is produced by Hunter Charlton, recorded at Spotify. We'll see you next time.